Welcome to It's All About Who You Know with host Craig Turner from Momento, the business growth agency. On our podcast, Craig interviews executives from chambers of commerce around the United States and Canada, tapping into their expertise on how to get the most value from your business associations, how their organizations are serving their members, and what's happening in their market for companies looking to grow there. Here's Craig Turner. Welcome to the It's All About Who You Know podcast brought to you by Momentum, the business growth agency. I'm Craig Turner, your host, and we've got another great episode for you. If you're running a chamber of commerce or involved with a chamber of commerce, you know that networking is the name of the game right now. And I've been seeing chambers all over the country caught in the analysis period. You know, when will people feel comfortable about coming out to events again? And how should we mix in virtual options for people? Well, if you've been to an event in the past month or so, you know that people are not only willing to come out to live events, but they're salivating over the opportunity to do so. Are we back to normal? I don't know. Not yet. (laughs) But the events we've been through lately sure feel pretty normal. But networking doesn't just take place at events. And that's what the It's All About Who You Know podcast is for. A couple of times a month, we're introducing you to exciting chambers of commerce leaders who are doing exciting things with their chambers of commerce. And for today's episode, I'm excited to be talking with Jason Camus, who's president of the Gardner Chamber of Commerce in Gardner, Kansas. Jason's another referral from one of our previous podcast guests. Uh, And he came to me with an enthusiastic endorsement of him that he's someone I need to talk to and get on the podcast. So Jason, thank you for, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me here today. So I appreciate you taking some time. Our listeners appreciate it, taking some time out of your schedule to talk to us. What I'm going to do, I'll just start by giving everybody a quick formal intro and then we can dig in. Jason Camus has served as president of the Gardner Chamber of Commerce for just over seven years. He was hired to rebuild the chamber. This is a common story. The chamber at the time had lost half of its membership and its not-for-profit tax status, and Jason had a goal of staying until 2020. Well, here we are in going into April of 2022, and he's still there. We hear that story all the time. Uh, Come in and help us get get the right the ship. So, but he's in that role until uh, until May, when he'll be actually become the new executive director for Sertoma Inc. and the Hearing Charities of America. Great, great opportunity. Jason remains bullish on Gardner, though. He's already invested in opening a new brewery in town later this summer. And under Jason's leadership, the Gardner Chamber actually just finished its most successful year ever in 2021. He's not a traditional chamber executive, and he generally sports an ultra-casual wardrobe around the office. But he draws on 10-plus years in the chamber business, also working at a conventioner's visitor bureau, a YMCA, and even owning his own coffee shop to help kind of marry the chamber side, the not-for-profit side with, with what's going on in the real world of business. Jason lives in Ottawa, Kansas with his wife, Molly, and his two daughters, Gabriella and Luciana. Previously, Jason served as a president of the Chambers of Commerce Executives of Kansas. He's on the board of the U.S. Chamber Institute for Organization Management as chair of ACCE's Hometown Chamber Council and chair-elect of the 2022 MAKO Chamber Conference in Branson, Missouri, which means before you go on to your new job, I want you to introduce me to everyone you know. Jason's involved in leadership roles with the United Way of Miami County, Rotary District 5710, and serves as the vice president of the Kinder Transport Association. That's an international organization that unites child Holocaust refugees and their descendants. So you chamber executives send over your bios to me and I can never cut anything out because everything's so good <laughs> and you're all so busy. So thank you again for, uh, for taking some time. I know, uh, I know every one of those acronyms that I just named is also calling for your attention at the same time. Thanks, um, Greg. 
let's just get started. We'll turn it over to you. Can you just give us an intro to the Gardner Chamber of Commerce? Sure, sure. Thanks, Craig. And once again, thanks for having me on today. It's always exciting to talk about our chamber and the things that we do and share a little bit of our philosophy and how that plays a part in the chamber. So the Gardner Chamber has been around. We're, we're, we'll be celebrating 50 years in 2025. So we were founded in 1975. And Gardner was a very small community. Only 1990, I think we had about 3,000 residents, where we're now pushing 25,000 residents 30 years later. So we've grown very rapidly. We're the southwestern suburb of the Kansas City metro, the very southwestern suburb in Johnson County. And And so, you know, we have a really, actually a really small business community. We probably only have about 400 businesses total in our community, Gardner, our neighboring community, Edgerton, and we have a branded industrial park, if you will, called New Century Air Center that we serve. And so um, we have a very high, like a lot of smaller chambers, our penetration rate is pretty extreme. We probably have about 250 members out of those 400. I'm sure if you're a big chamber, you'd be envious of having a 50% penetration rate. And it's great, but then obviously it has its challenges because we are not growing. You know, we can only grow incrementally because there are always going to be businesses who don't, who will never join the chamber. And so um, we really have to look far and wide to find new members every year. But uh, the chamber's done well. And as you said early in my bio, we had actually lost our tax exempt status in 2014. There was no intentional wrongdoing by my predecessor. I just think there was a lack of checks and balances between the board and the staff. And they hadn't filed taxes in five years. And it came to light that because of that, the IRS had uh, revoked our tax exemption status, as well as the status we administer a scholarship fund in the community, a medical scholarship fund, which we've had since the late 70s. And so we spent the first year, probably year and a half, of my tenure was trying to get that back. And I had a couple of board members who helped focus on that with me. And then I did other stuff while we tried to rebuild relationships and that. So we've come a long ways. We changed wholeheartedly, changed the philosophy of how the chamber operates. And, and really we have a, a lot of credibility in our community now, but just a lot of enthusiasm for what we do and for business in general. That's awesome. Yeah. There's, there's, so many chambers and business groups and, and, and people don't necessarily think about what it takes to actually keep them running, keep them sustainable, the rules they have to follow and all the different things. It's, it's very interesting. You talked about the population growth over time in Gardner. What's going on in the region right now? What, what, tell us about some of the good things that are happening, but also maybe some of the challenges that you're seeing. Well, the probably the biggest thing that most people would know our area for is we are one of the two or three largest uh, shipping and logistics hubs in the country, uh, maybe behind like Chicago and Dallas. And if you were like in LA or New York, so Kansas City, uh, we have an intermodal here in Edgerton and it was built, started the process around 2006. And at this point, it's about 20 million square feet of logistics and warehouse space. And, and then New Century Air Center has several million square feet in addition. So when you add all that up, we have you know, and I tell people we've got two Amazon facilities, we have a Walmart e-commerce facility, we have the Kubota's North American uh, distribution center for Kubota tractors, um, Hostess, PepsiCo, Excelligence Learning, Dots Pretzels uh, is may act- are actually manufactured here. And for those who have never who've ever had Dots Pretzels, know how awesome they are, and they have just been booming and going gangbusters. And so 
that's been great for our region. So that's really how we, what we're becoming known as, uh, besides being this sleepy bedroom community. The challenges, though, come along with that. And some of it's uh, people thinking that the jobs that are created there are less than some other jobs, which is honestly not really true. I mean, we have warehouse, most of our warehouse and logistics positions, even frontline are paying $17, $18 an hour and upwards of, I think we have a couple that probably pay $28 or $30 an hour. And then if you look at like Amazon as an example, there's you know a couple dozen positions at that Amazon, at each Amazon facility that probably pay six figures. So it's not it's not this low income aspect that you normal that a lot of people want to make it out to be. The challenge that comes with that is housing. We're fortunate that we are still one of the very few affordable housing communities in Johnson County, which is the largest county in Kansas. However, we're we're struggling like everybody else. I think our inventory is like 10 days or 14 days. So I mean, it's really low. We're starting to build, you know, we're building a lot of multifamily here as well as and basically as quick as we can get single family homes up, they're sold. And sometimes they're sold before they're even built. So, you know, it brings a little bit of challenges, but a lot of opportunities because, you know, the commercial growth will start to follow some of those rooftops that we're seeing right now. We could do a whole separate episode on logistics. Uh, we've been we've been following your region very closely. In fact, I had a, about a 90-minute discussion this morning on logistics workforce and some of the same uh, things you were just talking about, about the, uh, the, the perception that working in a warehouse or working on the dock is not going to be as glamorous and high paying as some other jobs. But when, when you're in it, you know that a lot of the, uh, a lot of the leaders in, in that industry started on a dock or started doing data entry and are, and are now the, uh, you know, now they are making six figures and they're yep. consultants and, and doing that. So it, it's interesting. Yes. But we have, we've been following your region very closely for, for years as we've put together our, our own initiatives. So what is your chamber focused on right now? The, the pandemic has created challenges and opportunities, even some business model changes uh, as we come out and things hopefully are now starting to get behind us. Where, where's your focus? Yeah. So one of the things that's interesting with us is we have always been a little different than maybe a lot of the chamber industry, just our operating model looks a little different. And, and I could share more on that as we go on. But so coming out of COVID for us, it's really been, okay, what is like everybody, what is the new normal? What does that look like? However, we've had such a penchant for change up until then. We're not really, it's not like we're trying to wholeheartedly flip a switch and do something completely different. We're trying to do, you know, we're, we're, we're constantly tweaking. And funny as it sounds, one of the things we started in COVID was a golf outing. We haven't done a golf outing here in 10 or 12 years. And, you know, we sat around one day, we're like, well, people seem to want to go outside. And so like, let's have a golf outing. This was in 2020 in the heart of COVID. And we sold it out in a couple of weeks. And then we're like, oh, maybe this sounds like a good thing. So we did it in the spring of 2021 and we sold it out in like a day. And then we sold that when we're like, well, let's do another golf outing this year. So we actually did two golf outings one year and uh, we sold that one out in a day. And so it was kind of a weird thing, but we knew from a networking perspective, people wanted to come to it. They're willing to be outside. It felt good to them. And so, but our, our ability to kind of change and shift was really valuable during COVID early on probably April of 2020, we were able to partner with the city. We partner with our city tons 
And we have a very good re- working relationship with our city and contractually, but then just outside of the contract. And we got together and said, look, our businesses are struggling to find PPE supplies. And so we got together with the city. We were able to procure uh, hand sanitizer and face shields. They were able to procure uh, Clorox bleach and masks. And by the end of April, like when most people couldn't even find it anywhere, we were selling it at cost to any business in our community that needed it. And I mean, they, they came out of the woodwork and obviously a lot of them were members, but a lot of them were non-members. They just viewed it as this is what they want to see from a chamber that supports the business community and a city that really values its businesses. And and so that's kind of what we're thinking now is, okay, what do those things look like in the future? How, how do we keep this fluid and how do we change things as we go? What are the, not necessarily the trends, but you know, what are those things that we're listening to our business owners saying, oh, this is a challenge for us. This is a struggle. You know, and then what can we do to kind of combat those challenges? And I think that's what a lot of chambers are trying to figure out. How do we, how do we position ourselves as problem solvers in our community? than just another networking organization or another marketing organization, that type of thing. Was it the creativity that came out of it and the ability to connect with the community, however it was, with with supplies, with education, with information, the Chambers took a huge role, a lead role in that around the country. And it was, it was great to see. Let me flip, you talked about the future. So let me flip that question upside down now, because you're dealing with members now, you're taking care of them, you're dealing with the things that you're facing right now. How is, is the Gardner Chamber looking to the future? And again, we've learned over the past two years, we, we had a recent you know, kind of debate here uh, about the creation of our five-year plan. And everybody's like, well, if we looked at our five-year plan from four years ago, we could throw it out the window because no one had any idea. But you still need to do it as a, as a chamber, as a region. What are you looking at for Gardner for 10 years from now, 20 years from now? You know, I think, I mean, we know that the growth is still coming. The other day I was talking with the community planning director and we have like 3,400 housing units in the pipeline that are approved or in process and that, you know, and in a community of 10 or 11,000, that's like 30% growth that could happen in the next five years which is faster than most growth projections we've had in the past. And so we're thinking about what does that look like? What's the business mix? Maybe being a little bit more targeted. We know that right now commercial activity is, it, I don't want to say it's slowed, but you know the traditional commercial retail and that, but while a lot of retailers, restaurants, they're trying to figure out what their new models are going to be in the future. We have to think about, okay, well, what are the things? We hear our community talk a lot about, well, we want fine dining, or we want a dining restaurant that's not just a casual restaurant. Well, can we go out and target some that makes sense for our community? So we've done a little of that. We were able last year to land a new brewery, which actually was ended up being two breweries because we had one come in that we didn't know about. So now we have, by this summer, we'll have two breweries in town. And I, I, I liken breweries, and granted, I'm, a, I'm an owner of one, but uh, I liken that to coffee shops. I mean, I think the future you're going to see, it's going to be a place that every community essentially has a brewery in it, you know, just like they have a coffee shop. So we're doing a little bit of targeted recruitment, looking at, and then for us, it's really, you know, we have a, a great model in terms of how we serve our members and serve the general business community as a whole. So I think for us, it's what's our, what's our role in community? And, you know, the big chambers do this really well. Whereas I think they sometimes forget how to serve individual businesses because they do it all at the high level. 
So we've, you know, in the uh, smaller chambers, we tend to do it the opposite. We are very good at serving individual businesses, but we, we miss that role in community. And so that's kind of what we've been looking at here. Like, how do we, how do we help influence, lead, be a part of downtown, our downtown development or our downtown redevelopment, if you will. And how do we push that forward? If the city has a downtown development plan, how can we be a catalyst for that? Or how do we, you know, do we get involved with a group like our farmer's market who struggles with volunteers, but yet is full every year to have a great turnout. So we've been trying to find ways to provide support to them, whether it's marketing and promotion, uh, maybe it's the development of a, a community foundation that can oversee that and some other things. We have a very small nonprofit community here and it's not very organized. So we've been helping our local uh, food. We have a couple of harvesters, the big food distribution entity in the greater Kansas City Metro. So we help groups of volunteers that are kind of loosely organized, if you will, promote getting that out. And so our residents in our community have a source of food and increased food security in our community. And so we're just trying to find ways that we can be a part of a bigger picture. We don't do formal economic development. We have an economic development organization in the community that's great. Uh, we have a good partnership. They serve on our board. I serve on their board. So we don't have that. We don't really have a CVB, though we do get some transient guest tax funding for the chamber, and we're starting to do more in the tourism realm. So it's trying to find our role in the overall community and how we can move things forward. And when you're hiring or, or, or training your, your staff, it seems like in order to do all those things, uh, there needs to be some flexibility in, in the skill sets that you, that you get. Can you talk about your staff a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the irony in my staff is I have two staff with, so when I came on, I, it was just me. And as every chamber executive can attest to, we're probably all underpaid for what we do. But when I came on, we didn't have a lot of money. And so my board chair and board secretary at the time, you know, they did a ton. One had kind of held that the chamber had gone nine months without staff. And so the board secretary kind of held things together in the office and the board chair kind of championed trying to get the nonprofit stat tax status back and all that. Well, now they both work for me. So uh, seven years later, I, I joked when I hired them both, Alyssa's been with me for about a year in May and Stacy will be three years this fall. And I joked when I hired, you know, when I hired Alyssa about a year ago, I was like, either I'm doing something really wrong and they're coming in to check on me or they really like what I'm doing because now they both work for me. So, you know, like a lot of chambers, we've been, We've had great staff. I've, ha I've been fortunate to have a half dozen, seven or eight staff here over the last seven years. And they, I, it's hard to retain them because we weren't quite big enough to offer the benefits and the pay level, or maybe they were, maybe it was good for them for a year and they were really not in their field or their industry and they wanted to move back to their industry. We've also host, we host interns almost regularly and all of our interns have gone on to do some amazing stuff. And some of them have come back to us and work part-time at the holidays or cover or, you know, work an extra summer. So they're, you know, we have a good skill set. Both of them have business background like I do. One owned a photography business and studio here in town. The other, her and her husband were the community pharmacy. And so they, we really all think like business owners. And so when we're sitting around in the office, we're not creating some program where like, where we have no clue how businesses will react. We think to ourselves, oh, this sounds good. But you know, if I'm in the business owner's shoes, now nah, that doesn't sound good anymore. 
And, and that, that relates to how we actually operate. For instance, we won't sell sponsorships to events if we don't think there's value from a business owner's perspective. And I, unfortunately, I, I, I think that's a really sad thing that chambers do sometimes and organizations are like, oh yeah, we'll sell a membership or a sponsorship for anything. And we think to ourselves, like we have an event that gets 30 or 40 or 50 people. It's still worth having because they're the right people, but I'm not going to go out and sell $5,000 sponsorships just because for that event, I don't think that's right. And I think I'm selling something to a business owner. I would rather have them pay for something else that would be more valuable and I don't want them just doing it to support me or support the chamber. And so we we just get rid of those things. And we're like, nope, we're going to move on to something else. So um, I'm fortunate to have two really good staff here. And so you just described our entire business model with that. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah. We, we help find that value. I'm laughing yeah. about you said that uh, your your board chair and your board secretary now work for you. I was, I was as you were saying that I was thinking about that classic interview answer. You know, where, where would you like to be in five years? Oh, in your seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where would you like to, I'd like you both to become, maybe that'll be my answer from now on. You got, you're going to like it so much, you're going to want to work for me. You're going to come work for me. <laughs> so let me, let me flip it over to you now. Uh, we talked about the chamber. What gets you excited? I am, with, with the caveat that you're, that you're headed into a new role shortly. We can talk about yeah. what gets you excited. I, I'd actually like to talk about what gets you excited about that role too. But but in your chamber experience as president, what, what gets you excited? What gets you out of bed in the morning? You know, I love what we've done here is we've really created, as I mentioned, a model that's different and unique. So there are probably a couple chambers around the country that have done this. We've been doing it for six years. We have what we call an inclusive model. And so you don't, you really can't tell, you can tell our investors get a suite of services, you know, when they invest and we have our investors pay anywhere from three forty-five dollars to $10,000 and they get the benefits. It's a tiered structure like everybody else. However, we also believe we serve the entire business community and we make it very evident that we do that. We do, we provide every business in our community and all three, to both communities and the industrial park are, have a, have a listing on our website name, address, phone number. It's the basics, but it's kind of makes our website Google for the local community. And as a result, not only they get a little benefit, we get the benefit of op opportunities to sell to them. And that that's good for the chamber, but it's also good for our members. And people, when I first proposed this and the board was like, what are you talking about? I said, think of it this way. McDonald's isn't a member. Maybe they will be, maybe they won't. Somebody calls me and wants McDonald's phone number. Would you expect me to give them the phone number? They're like, well, of course, that's just good, you know, good business and hospitality. I said, but now I can say, hey, yeah, I'm happy to give you that number. Would, would you like a list of all of our restaurants? And nine times out of 10, they're like, oh yeah, that'd be great. And so then I can either give it to them or I can direct them to our website where they go there to get McDonald's phone number. And then now they see everything else. And so when we tested that out, we tested on some people. We said, we, we sent them our catering list. We had two members, two non-members. And they're like, and I said, who would you call? They're like, oh, I'd call these first two. And I'm like, why? They're like, because all of their information is filled out on there. They, they've got a menu, they've got this, they've got that. And then I, maybe I'd call the other two if I couldn't get what I want. So now again, they think to themselves, I'm going to call the people who have the built out web pages and the web directory and stuff. So that's the first. The second is we don't charge non-member fees for anything here. So everything's the same. You could call me up, say, Jason, I want to come to your annual dinner. It's $50, just like it's $50 for our members. And, and I liken it to, we go to a restaurant. I don't look around the restaurant to see what other, and, and be like, hmm, I wonder if that guy over there is paying 
$25 for a steak or if he's getting it cheaper than me. I don't care. I mean, the bottom line is I all I want to know is that my $25 steak was worth 25 bucks. And, you know, members don't walk around in a chamber coffee and be like, ooh, I wonder if that guy is paying the same amount. And if they do, I don't know that they're really the members that I want to have too many of. And, you know, we, we joke that the events aren't ours. The events are the business that's hosting. So if the local coffee shop, Groundhouse Coffee, is hosting the chamber coffee on a Friday morning, they didn't say, Jason, only invite the other members. They want me to introduce them to everybody in the community. So we make sure that everyone's welcome. We, we say it at everything we do. You're welcome. Your family's welcome. Bring your kids. The average age in our community is 32 and a half. And most of those young people, this is not an urban core living. So they're not living in loft apartments. They're young families here. And so when they come, that we, we have kids at all the things we do. And I set an example because my kids come with, you know, I bring my 15 and nine-year-old and they're at our events. And so people feel comfortable. They feel like it's, and we hear that from other chambers. One, uh, UPS is a member here and they're not a member in some of the other neighboring communities. And she said to me one time, she's like, you guys are kind of like the unchamber. It's kind of fun. And, and it's, it's refreshing. And, you know, that really stuck with us. Like, that's who we wanted to set out to be. And, you know, we've doubled our membership over the last seven years. Uh, we've grown our budget by almost double. So I just love the fact that, you know, we've really taken a model and really thought about it from a business owner's perspective and, and it works and it works really well. And they're very appreciative of it. And they, and, and it, and it sets us apart from some of our neighbors, you know, our neighboring chambers who I like, and they're good, they're good people. They run good chambers, but it's really trying to find what's that unique niche and how do I serve businesses as a whole? And we've been able to do it here. I'm thinking about how many hours I spent sitting around tables talking about member prices, pricing versus non-member pricing. Yeah. So you're right. Yeah. You're right. I mean, if I, if I'm, you get to think about the perspective of the bank that gave you $5,000 for the event, they want a hundred people in the room. They don't really care who those people are. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, and that's it. And they, they don't care who those people are. They just want more people. And Honestly, you can find we don't, you know, we really have moved, we moved away years ago from selling events as part of our value proposition. We tell people, I joke when somebody's like, oh, when do you, you know, the typical first question in a membership meeting. So when are your meetings? And sometimes I like to be like, oh, we don't have meetings. And they look at me with like a blank stare. And I'm like, it, it, that the meetings and stuff, that's the gravy. Let's talk about what we're doing for you. Otherwise, the value of some of our products that we provide, you know, so like we also do a community magazine kind of take the directory thing and the directory that a lot of chambers produce a thousand, they give it to all their friends and family. And most people just shove them away. And yes, the chamber makes money on it. But I kind of thought to myself, well, I, yeah, I want to make a little money, but let's do it. Let's go a step further. So we put our directory into our community magazine and then we mail our community magazine, which we publish with a publishing partner. We mail it to every single household in our community. So everybody in our community. So our advertisers aren't just being seen by a thousand people now they're being seen by 13 12,000 whatever our mailing count is so they love it so they're like yeah I mean I can't get into 12,000 mailboxes for 800 bucks in any other way shape or form but I can do it through the magazine plus the magazine has stories about the business community and the people that make up the community so they want to be affiliated with that and so it's really kind of a win-win here so we've grown uh, I joke I at every one of our coffees, 
you know, we announce all of our high, it's part of their benefits package. They get mentioned, you know, all that your high level investors. And I think at my very first one, I might've had two or three in 2015. And I think we're up to like 24. I'm at the point now where I might have to change those levels a little bit because we're, I'm, I feel like I'm just naming names over and over. And I, and I, but I'm always like, if you want to be mentioned in this list, come see me after the coffee. I can make sure you're on it next time. So, and it works. People will be like, Hey, I want to be mentioned like my competitors. So that's what, it, that's what excites me here. We've it's, it's really been a, it's a unique. And as you mentioned, I am leaving. And some people would say, oh, it's crazy. My next opportunity is probably even better and, and even greater. But this is a huge opportunity for somebody to come in and continue to do some really cool things that are different in the chamber world. And uh, I would highly recommend. And I've got a great board. We're young. You know, we don't have to have a young professionals group here because the average age of my board is like 30. I think my board chair is 30. Yeah. You know, I mean, they're like in their 30s and 40s. It's a young group here. Sending the magazine to every household in town sounds very uh, old school chamber of commerce. Yep. I like it. Yep. One of the things, one of the questions that we ask on the podcast is, is in the chamber world between your members, the government people you work with, the other economic development agencies, the community, and your own staff, there's never a shortage of ideas. But not every idea has the money behind it to make it a reality. So the question we like to ask is, as a leader in the community, if you had a blank check to use for economic development, community development, what would you spend it on? You know, right now in our community, I would spend it on our downtown. I think one of the, and you see this with a lot of suburban communities, particularly, it's a challenge because, you know, we don't have an identity. Only 3,000 people lived here in 1990. So if you figure of those, you know, uh, maybe we'll say 60% are still around. So that's 1,800 people that have, have uh, institutional or community knowledge beyond 30 years. And so I think a lot of times we, our communities lack identity as suburbs. It's harder to than if you have an urban core or if you have a core down, or if you're more of a rural standalone community. Not to say that it has to be a downtown, but I think downtowns help form some identity for your community. Ours is about a half block long in each direction and from the contiguous buildings and then maybe two blocks beyond north, south, east, and west for what we would consider our downtown area. I just love to see us build some community space down there, you know, so bring in some, attract some business, maybe some downtown living outside of the housing that's there currently. And I think it would be an opportunity to kind of forge some of that. This is a part of our community. We're not just you know, strip malls and fast food restaurants and a lot of really nice subdivisions type thing. That's probably where I would invest the money in our community. I'm going to hold on to the small community thing for a minute. I wanted to ask you about your perspectives and your relationships with, we talked at the beginning uh, in your bio that you served as a chair or on the board of various chamber related organizations, including the national ones. Can you talk a little bit about your perspective on being a small town chamber in groups where you have the chamber of commerce of large cities in there? It's, it's, I mean, I've been in those rooms and I've seen it, but I represented a big metro region, Buffalo Niagara, when I was there. Can you talk about your perspective on being in that room representing a small town community versus the, the, the larger entities that are always represented in those rooms? Yeah, I mean, it. you know, it's one, you can't go into those rooms thinking, 
that you're less than because you're smaller. I mean, that's just the natural piece. And, and I, don't, I don't think very many of the big chambers think that way. I just think the way they think about their own goals sometimes is different. Maybe it's at times I might view it as misguided. They might feel the same about mine. But I think if you can, I've always said, if I can figure out how to learn from them and tag on to some of the things they do, I can also bring some value to what they provide. And it's not always easy because sometimes they, they might miss, you know, like when I say misguided, like we love to do our chamber, we love to do multi-chamber events. I think it's really valuable and not because it's good for the chamber, but because it's good for my businesses again, and it's good for the businesses and other communities. And so as an example, we have, I work really well with the Ottawa chamber, um, which is 30 miles Southwest. Uh, it's actually where I live. Um, whenever one of our joint members that's in usually in Ottawa has a coffee or an after hours, I reach out to the business. Hey, are you good with us inviting everybody? Oh yeah. The, the business is always on board with it. And then I make sure I call the chamber. Hey, I just want to let you know, I talk with them, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and John, their CEO is always like, Jason, we'd love to have, and he always, it's great because it's not, it's not our coffee. It's still their coffee. We're just inviting our people to go down. And it, that cross-pollination for businesses is huge and it's good for the, it's good for the businesses. Many of their people might live up here and work there or vice versa. So those people come. And so that type of thing, I do a lot with Spring Hill. We actually do a women in business breakfast that sells out every fall. We do a couple big joint networking things. And I try to do that with some of the larger chambers. It's, they're harder to do that with. And, you know, sometimes we have to work out like, you know, those larger chambers might charge $250 or $500 to host a coffee. Well, I'm not charging that. I, I mean, my view is if they're providing beer and beer and cocktails and, you know, and chips or whatever they're doing, I'm not going to charge them extra. So sometimes we have to, we have to massage what it looks like. It's our event and we're inviting their chamber members. But then sometimes some of those big chambers, they just don't want to part. They don't want to participate. And that's unfortunate because it hurts the business. It doesn't hurt the chamber to have more. It hurts the business to not allow them to capture more. And then when you do it nationally, I think you just find some of those chambers out there that are, they don't think like that. They don't care. I mean, you can position, I'm sure a lot of people don't realize how small we really are in the grand scheme of things. And, you know, you find the right chamber executives and, you know, some of them that I would consider friends and colleagues, Chris Romer and Vale Valley. Like I, I try to copy a lot of the stuff that he does internally because it's really good. And it doesn't matter if he's a thousand member chamber, and I'm a 250 member chamber. Some of the principles still apply. And so I just try to find the right ones. And most of them are pretty good because a lot of those bigger chamber execs, they came from a small chamber at one point. Hopefully they didn't forget where they came from got a hot mic in front of you are there any members you want to want to give a shout out to you know i i'd love to give a shout out to groundhouse coffee they they're kind of the community gathering place in our town they've been here for they just celebrated their 10-year anniversary they have two locations so they're really kind of innovative in the sense a few years about four or five years ago they bought a old bank on the south end of town and converted it to a drive-through and patio and then they also are on the corner of our downtown. And really what I love about them is they provide just, you know, a lot of times people come to a smaller town like, you know, like Gardner and they think they're going to find like a, a, you know, a hokey mom and pop coffee shop with a single glass, not that it's bad, but it's not the best coffee, you know, that little glass pot that they probably brewed three hours ago. 
and you know they walk in and they're like wow like this looks like a big city shop and it's professionally done and their baked goods are all from scratch and they take weeks and months to perfect what they do before they roll out new products and they take they don't i have always loved they don't take tips you can their tips all go to charity and they have raised, I think in nine, in 10 years, they've raised $90,000 to go to charity, like over that time, which is just awesome. And they, and they, you know, they don't really make a big deal out of it. They just have a tip jar there and they just, that's where your money goes. And they're, they're a big community champion and they love what they do. They've been involved with the chamber and other things. And, and honestly, I think to myself, almost every chamber community out there has a coffee shop. And hopefully there is good to their coffee shop and their coffee shop is as good to them as ground houses to us. I agree 100% on the, on the coffee shop piece. I've been trying, always trying to get the chamber and the coffee shop together because it's a meeting place. If you got two members that are connecting, well, where are we going to go? Well, go to the, go to the coffee shop that we work closely with. Definitely. You know, part of getting to a, a, the position you're in is, is paying attention to what's going on around you, staying inspired. Are there any books, blogs, podcasts, radio shows that you listen to that people can maybe uh, take a look at? Now that I've been on your podcast, I'm going to have to start listening to podcasts more. My new job is going to have me on the road a little bit more and traveling more than what I'm used to. So podcasting will be a relatively new thing for me. I do read a lot of smaller stuff, more like blogs online, like Seth Godin. I really, I really like his daily blog posts. He's a good one. The other one I really follow because I, I still like to think of us as a business and, and from a business angle is anything I can get my hands on from Zingerman's, which is in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's a food company that started as a deli in 1982 and now is like a $75 million locally owned community of businesses. I think there's probably 12 or 13. And you know, most people, if you know them around the country, uh, I think Oprah and Barack Obama at some point coined them as like the best Reuben sandwich or best sandwiches in the country. I look at them from their business model and what they do. They're, they're all about open book finance and customer service is second to none. And they train companies all over the, the world. And uh, so anything I can get my hands on from them is really uh, something that I take to heart. And I, and I, of course I read it and then I'm like, I put my little initials on it and stick it on my staff's desk. And I'm like, oh, and then they, they, they always have to initial it and give it back. And then we have a conversation about the things we talked about. So. That's great. I appreciate that. We'll share that in the uh, social media post too. So I'm going to start to wind down. Appreciate your time. Somebody's interested in Gardner, interested in the market. Where's the best place to send them to find out information about the chamber? Definitely GardnerChamber.com. So it's just G-A-R-D-N-E-R Chamber.com. And actually the best thing about it is they can go there to figure out if they're interested in the next, being the next president and CEO of our chamber. So we'll have that job posted on there later today. It, it's gone out to different people. I, I finish up my role here at the end of April. Uh, and like you said earlier on, I will still be in the community and pretty heavily involved uh, since I'm opening uh, with some partners opening a brewery here uh, late summer. But that's, uh, it's, it's a great opportunity for anybody who's looking to get to the Kansas City area. And, and you know, and even coming from a business side, I mean, business, I think a lot of chamber execs, it's not like they're, you can't go to Chamber of Co Commerce College or get a degree in it, right? I mean, most of us came from some kind of business role. 
So big opportunities here in the Kansas City area. Before we let you go, let's let's just talk quickly about Sertoma Inc. and Hearing Charities of America. What are you, what are you going to be working on? So Sertoma is very similar as one of the major service organizations in the country, along with Rotary, Lions, Kiwanis. It's been around 110 years. Uh, I will be the national executive director for both organizations. It's a 501c3. We have about 14,000 members across the country. And uh, I will be helping those Sertomans and Sertoma clubs across the country figure out better ways to do service, how to grow their clubs, grow their impact in the communities that they serve. And then also how we collectively combat some of the issues around hearing and hearing related issues, since that's really kind of our major area of focus. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Jason, thank you again for being here with us. Our our listeners appreciate uh, you spending some time with us, telling us about the work you're doing and about your wonderful community too. I wish you personally success. And I wish the Gardner Chamber lots of success, especially in finding the who's going to be their leader going forward. I hope that you'll stay in touch even after you uh, you move on to your new role. I'm going to actually, I'll send you a LinkedIn so that I may lose your Gardner Chamber email address, but I'll, I'll have you over there. Definitely. To our listeners, I hope that your Chamber of Commerce strategy is yielding results for you this year, whether it's for networking, advocacy, or helping to grow the business community in your area. Your Chambers of Commerce continue to need your support, and they are there to help you meet your goals as well. If you're interested in learning how we can help you create a stronger relationship with your Chamber of Commerce, check out our website at www.momentumforbusinessgrowth.com. I also encourage you to connect with me, Craig Turner, on LinkedIn, where I post advice weekly, including information and guidance on how to make the most of your Chamber of Commerce investments. Again, if you're in Gardner, you're doing business in Gardner, you're interested in the market, please check out www.gardnerchamber.com and connect with Jason, his successor, and their outstanding team at the Chamber. Jason, thank you again for being with us. We appreciate it. Thank you to our listeners, and we'll see you soon with another episode of the It's All About Who You Know podcast. Take care.